paragraph did you say? 557.2. Oh, I thought we were at 556.2. Um, wait a minute. Let me, <laughs> let me share it and then I'm going to come back to it and um, just okay. verify for you. Okay, there we go. Okay, I have shared it. And yeah, we're at 557.2. Yeah, because I highlighted it in red when we stopped. All right. Okay, let's have a word of prayer before we get started. And then we're gonna try to finish out this chapter today. Um, Dear, kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us safely through another week. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy towards us. And we just praise you because you are such a good God. Now, as we uh, open up this study, uh, I pray, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit to open up our understanding and lead us into all truth. Hide me behind the cross, Lord, and, and may your Holy Spirit step forward uh, as the true teacher of this class today. Uh, we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Give us understanding. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right. Okay. Again, we're going to get started. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 99, and we're starting at Paragraph 557.2. Uh, this chapter is about the health institutes. And uh, if you remember, or if not, uh, from the previous portions of this chapter, uh, Sister White was talking about how we should have health institutions that will teach people how to live healthy lifestyles uh, in addition to uh, uh, um, uh, aiding in uh, their healing. Um, and so um, well, as we start this paragraph, Bob, she's talking about a curse uh, that came upon her husband and also another woman. And uh, what was the curse that, that, that she's talking about? Telling him to remain inactive in order to recover instead of um, being active. Right, right. And um, she was talking about, so when we skipped down a little bit in that, she just was just saying that when we're sick, our imaginations are so diseased that uh, the inactivity results in the thought and feeling that it would be dangerous to our health and life to exercise. And especially if exercise causes us to be weary. So she said that, um, but the, the, the body, when it's seldom put in motion, it loses its elasticity and strength. So that when somebody does exercise, she said, then the joints are stiff, the muscles are feeble, and it requires more effort to move. And of course it causes, that causes greater pain. So she said this very weariness of, I guess the body, she said would prove a blessing to, to them had they just, regardless of, of, of how they felt, put mind over matter and just went ahead and, 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 and moved around. Now she's not defining necessarily exercise as going to the gym or, getting on exercise equipment. But she's saying, basically, don't lay inactive when you're sick. If you can get up and do anything, get up and do it. Now, there are some circumstances where you can't even get up out the bed, obviously, or out of the hospital bed or wherever you are. There are some, some illnesses that, that initially are going to keep you in the bed because if you get up, you're going to fall or whatever the case may be, or you're just not well enough. You don't even have the strength enough to get up. Um, I remember years ago, um, I got sick and I was so sick. I could not even like, I was, I was, I, I couldn't even make it to the bed. I got out the hospital and I could only make it to my couch and I laid down and I couldn't even get up to go to the bathroom. I was so weak. I couldn't even get up. And so there are going to be some illnesses that, you know, right away, you're not going to be able to just get right up and move around and do housework and, you know, do whatever you need, whatever you may want to do. Um, so we're not talking about those situations, but we're talking about the mind process that says, well, if I do this, 
uh, I'm going to be worse off than if I just continue to just remain inactive. Uh, any comments on that? Yeah, I think one thing too is, <clears throat> like it says in that paragraph, inactivity resulted in thought that it would be dangerous to health and life to exercise, especially if they got a little bit weary. And like mm -hmm. you said, if you are just really out of it where you can't do anything, not that you're just not, just don't want to do it, you just physically cannot. Mm -hmm. You have to be careful that you don't end up feeling lazy and pushing yourself into a worse situation. But she's not talking about people who are that bad off. But sometimes mm -hmm. you can do, you can get up and you can walk down the hallway or you can walk outside and get fresh air or you can just walk around the house and do a few little light exercises. But that would be better than just sitting there becoming more stiff and mm. more tight, your muscles tightening up, your uh, body becoming stiff because that's just worse. Inactivity can be worse than activity because our bodies are built to move. And mm -hmm. by moving, they stay lubricated and exercised. And sometimes we feel like that's bad, but no, our bodies are meant to do work and to mm -hmm. move around and to exercise, not to sit still. And I, mm -hmm. I think they said um, sitting is the new smoking or something like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you have to be very careful, even though you have an office job, take a break, get up, walk around, get some fresh air. Don't just huh. sit, sit, sit without doing some kind of uh, circulatory movements. Mm -hmm. I know on my Apple Watch, it alerts me when it's time for me to stand and move around. Like if I've been sitting too long, it tells me it's time to stand up. It's time to move around, you know. Um, so, Yeah. And uh, personally, I cannot stand to be sick where I'm just in the bed because I'm just, my mind is thinking of all the things I need to get done. <laughs> and so uh, sometimes, you know, when I'm sick, I'll just get on up when I feel like I can at least get up out the bed and, and just start doing a little bit here and there in the house or whatever. But yeah, like you said, Lee, our bodies were made to move and to, um, to do things do things that that require the use of our muscles and and, and stuff. Um, all right, uh, let's go on down to the next paragraph, 557.3, where she's talking about a particular individual who apparently was laid up sick and had this belief that um, if she did anything, got up out the bed, that that, you know, it would be detrimental to her. But Sister White was saying that um, she needed to get up and she needed to uh, um, basically feel the responsibilities of her family and take care of her family. And she said that, um, that the fact that this woman remained, I guess, in an institution, she wasn't even at home, she remained in an institution, that meant her family was separate, she was separated from her family, she was separated from her children, and that this was unfavorable to the education and training of her children. And so she said that mom should go back home, basically be there and teach her children how to help with some of the responsibilities in the household and not feel like, you know, everything is on mom to do everything. And I guess maybe mom was, <laughs> maybe mom was enjoying that respite and vacation from doing everything. But she's saying that, you know, the, the, the family should chip in and take on some of the responsibilities. And um, she said that a mother who, is doing this and training her children to take on some of life's responsibilities is doing the very work that God has assigned her to do. And the reason why he had mercifully heard the prayers of others praying for this woman's recovery so that she could return to her family. But he said, but she says that, you know, she should shun, shun wearying labor. Like, you know, don't go out there and just try to uh, just take on everything and overtax her body and everything. Uh, at that point in time, but she should at least go home and then get up and do what she's able to do. And as she and as she moves around and gets up and does what she's able to do, then she would get stronger and she would um, she would start to get better. Um, any comments on that? You know, it seems like teaching your children how to do chores and help around the house seems like 
nobody wants to do that anymore. You know, I know when most of us were growing up, that was part of the family, being part of the family, helping take care of the house and keeping things together and clean and helping out. But nowadays, it's like you, you're you abusing your kids if you have them doing chores or if you have them sweeping up or washing dishes or doing anything to help. It's like, oh, you're a terrible parent. You, you uh, It's almost like slavery, people are thinking, but that's wrong. It's the best thing for kids to learn how to help out and keep a house because one day they're going to have their own house and they're going to want to know how to take care of it. Right. It's so interesting because this generation, uh, our kids, and they're not teaching their children. They don't, they're not teaching their children to do household chores. You know, when my kids were coming up, our kids were coming up every week, I would post a chore list for, and it had all of the kids on there and was for each day of the week so that they knew, you know, after they did their homework, they needed to do their chores and they didn't have to come and ask what their chores were. I posted it on the refrigerator and they could go ask. I mean, they could go look at it and see what they were supposed to do. And that was before they could watch TV or anything else. They had to do their homework and to do their chores. Um, and I noticed that with my grandkids, the parents aren't doing that. They're not posting. They're not. Um, well, they're not requiring them to do chores on a daily consistent basis, you know which, you know, I don't know turn into as they get older, get their own households. Um, but anyway, um, then in the next paragraph, she starts, uh, welcome, Thomas. I see you joined us today. How y'all doing? <laughs> good, real good. Good, good. Okay. Uh, we're in chapter 99 of Testimonies for the Church, Thomas. Uh, and we're, we're at... Paragraph. Now we're at paragraph five fifty eight point two. Five fifty eight point two. Yeah. In chapter ninety nine. Um, and so talking about, she starts talking about uh, the Health Institute at Battle Creek in this paragraph, and um, she's saying that we should have an institution like this, which is you know. I think they called it a sanatorium at that time. Uh, but she was saying that, that when they were planning this, when the men were planning this, they were planning too large of a facility. And that uh, she said, although we should have such an institution, it should be small in the beginning. And she said, and then cautiously increase it as they were able to find good physicians and helpers. And, I, and as the money could be raised and as the people who were um, going to be inpatient in the facility would demand, she said, and all should be conducted in strict, strict accordance with the principles and the humble spirit of the third angel's message. And she said that, that by, by um, you know, planning this facility to be on a grand scope from the very beginning was a mistake. She said, because what if the money runs out, then everyone will be discouraged because you've got a half built or maybe one fourth of the way built facility. And then she said, what if you don't have the number of patients to keep the thing running? So, you know, uh, God basically, you know, told her, you know what, you need to start small and cautiously. And as the work, increases and as the funds come in then you build on and you enlarge and you take on more patients um and she says that the, she said without the special blessing of god there are several ways in which the enterprise might be hindered and uh then she talked about well what if the physicians fail through sickness or death and then they have to take time to fill their places then the work would be hindered um and then she said, you know, talked about if you have all these extensive buildings and they're in the process of, we already mentioned, I already mentioned this, the process of being erected, the work would have to stop if the money runs out. And so she said, this will be very discouraging to, to, to the people. Does anybody remember uh, um, back when that um, church was being built on, um, on um, the way back from our church, that big church? And for years, it's there because 
think the money ran out or somebody ran out off with the money, one or the other. Yeah, I was going to say somebody ran off with the money. Uh-huh. And so for years, that church just sat there empty, not completed, not finished, not anything. Huge church, though. And um, so and that and that is always the danger, too. If you've got a whole lot of money sitting in a building fund, but you don't have um, safeguards over that, like, you know, more than one person has to sign the checks or whatever then you, 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 have, you may have that problem also, that somebody runs off with the money. Um, yeah, I think both of those situations, building a small sanitarium first and also churches, they both are related to organization. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to start your own business, you, it's good to start small because you're learning along the way. You get all your <laughs> procedures and situations and services in order you start learning what your customers want how to best serve them all this time you're using to make a better service as opposed to if you just go out get a big loan buy a big building and then try and learn it well now you don't have enough customers yet to pay mm -hmm. for it and anything can go wrong and you haven't taken time to learn how to best serve your customers so if you have success it might end up being fleeting because you haven't taken time to learn along the way. Mm -hmm. Same thing with churches. If you go out, take out a big loan and you don't have the capacity to pay the loan and keep things moving because you built too big of a building, you know, it, it's just not good planning. Mm -hmm. uh, and then near the bottom of that paragraph, she says that if you put forth effort in, every in a correct and judicious manner, and with the blessing of God, she said, then such an institution would prove a glorious success. Not just a success, a glorious success. But what did she say um, about a single failure? Anybody see that? It's near the bottom of 558.2. Uh, it says, might sooner or later prove a great injury. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So you want the blessing of God in any endeavor that you undertake. Because without yes. the blessing of God, then you're just working on your own. And eventually, you're going to be exhausted. <laughs> and then and once you... Get oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kim. I said, once you, get, once you exhaust your energies, then what? <laughs> Go ahead, Lido. <laughs> Yeah, I was noticing right after that sentence, it says um, that there were many hygienic institutions or sanitariums started in the U.S. in the last 25 years, but only few still exist mm -hmm. because, you know, they started out too big. They didn't get opportunity to build up, you know, in knowledge and also in faith. And, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of people at that time when she was uh, talking about um, starting small and getting things organized first. I'm sure a lot of people were wondering if she had lack of faith, you know, but we have to be careful about thinking that if we just don't go for the biggest and greatest instantly, that that's showing a lack of faith because we have to remember God has things in his hand. It's not what we do. It's his blessing upon what we do. And Jesus only started with 12 disciples. He didn't start with 120 or 300. He started small, built that group up. They built up more and more and more like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so we have to think in terms of small. Well, first of all, we have to think in terms of asking God for direction, but then think in terms of small. And and because I think sometimes when we, we um, think we want to do a project and we think of it on a grand scale, that's discouraging because we don't know how in the world are we going to do that, you know? And so, but I think if we think, think about it on a smaller scale, then it becomes more, more doable in our, in our finite minds. <laughs> yeah, it's and, the same thing when you're thinking of making goals for yourself, business goals or personal goals. 
you know, you have an idea, a vision of what you want to be in the future, but you don't just start out instantly at that point. You start out and then you build up to your ultimate vision. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, mm-hmm. like you say, nobody would get anything done. It's like trying to eat an elephant all at once. Mm-hmm. But we all know you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's move down to the next paragraph. She starts talking about a particular doctor. And she said that basically God had shown her that he was, he, he was, should act a part or basically he had, um, he had the, I guess the experience and the commitment to act a part in the growing of this institution. Um, and she said at the bottom of that paragraph, the work is of God and it must be prosecuted with a firm yet cautious hand. So, um, you know, she's just talking about, you know, when you're trying to even employ individual doctors and staff and stuff for this institution. Well, first of all, you got to do a search, you know, don't just hire anybody because they may not been, they may not be the right persons for the position. They may not have the right commitment. They may not have, you know, the right credentials, whatever the case may be. Uh, but you're going to have to take some time in the planning of this. And so it's easier to do if you start on a small scale than a huge scale. Um, let's move on down to the next paragraph. Uh, before you go there, Karen, that last sentence there says the work is of God and must be prosecuted with a firm yet cautious hand. Mm-hmm. Cautious hand, not because God makes a mistake, but because we make mistakes. Yes. It's not that God's going to mess up is that we are the ones who are likely to mess up. So therefore mm-hmm. we need to be cautious about mm-hmm. getting away from the direction God is leading. Right. I remember, um, do you all remember Sawana Tate? Yeah. So she went down to, I don't know if it was, I don't know, do you remember Andre where she went? I don't know if it was Yuji Pines or somewhere else, but anyway. She didn't go to Yuji Pines. Huh? She didn't go to Yuji Pines. Okay, I don't remember. She went to one of our our health reform places like that. I can't remember the name of the one she went to then. But anyway, um, and when she got back, she told me, she said, they prayed over everything. She said, when they brought the, the medicines for me to take, they prayed over the medicines. When, she, when they brought the food, they prayed over the food. When they brought, you know, whatever they came in the room to do, they prayed over it first. And she said she had never heard so much prayer in her life <laughs> but but that's what God is looking for from us. He's looking for us to pray and ask his guidance or pray uh, they, with the medicines. They prayed that the, that the medicines would do their appointed work, you know, um, that they would not make her sicker than she was, you know, or whatever in terms of, you know, being nauseated or whatever the case may be, but that they would actually help her and that they would improve her condition. And um, so she did well as long as she was there and under that kind of spiritual and structured environment. She did very well when she was there. You know, the problem was when you get back home, then, you know, you don't have that level of care and maybe and perhaps even that level of commitment yourself, you know. Oh, yeah, I, I do remember her saying that. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, you just have to decide if you're doing better on, you know, uh, from the treatment that you're getting, then you have to decide, do you want to live or die? And if you want to live, if that treatment was working and that, that, that structure and that regiment was working, then continue it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, uh, the Harris's, their, their nephew, Jeremy, is in one of those facilities, and I don't remember which one it is now. I don't remember the name of it, but he's doing well there. He's doing extremely well there. And um, so I don't know what the end result will be. I don't know how long he's going to be there or if they will send him home soon or what exactly. But as long as he's there, he's doing very well. And again, it's one where it's one of our facilities where, um, you know, 
he's he's under a supervised and strict regiment. You know, that's one of the reasons why they have extended programs. You know, you can go for a weekend or a week or two weeks or more. And I think the longer you stay, the more that what they're doing there becomes a habit that you can take back home with you. If you just go for a weekend, that's not really enough time for that to become a habit for you. Yeah. And when you're there at the sanitariums, they, do, they got a staff to do all these things. But right. when you're back home, it's just you your spouse maybe or the family who haven't been trained. So it is a lot harder, which again is why they would prefer you stay a little longer mm-hmm. so that you can understand what needs to be done and how to do it. And when you get back home, you can keep it up. Cause mm-hmm. if you don't keep it up, you know, that's where problems come in. Right. Yeah. Plus I think too, I think people need to fully understand that you have to, um, you have to change your life. These are the changes you must make in your life when, um, permanently. It's not like, this is not like people diet. Well, that's not good because then you're going to go back. Diet is like, I'm going to do this temporarily till I get to this goal. Then I'm going back to the situation that caused the problem in the first place. So you're not going to ever go back. That's, that's, that's what needs to be clearly made clear. You will never return unless you want to be sick again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lifestyle change is what they're trying to get you to make right what i'm trying to say to um in a subtle way to my daughter is don't wait till you get sick why do we wait till we get sick and then we do these things you know like um let's not wait till we sick let's do the stuff now do what it takes because sickness is not fun it's painful it costs us you know time and it's just not a fun thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I say that from this is about me, not everybody else, but just, you know, I've, I can say that there's times I'm looking down the barrel of a shotgun and then thinking, is it a bullet in the gun? Because if it's not, <laughs> I'm going to stand here and do what I'm doing. But if it is, I might make a change. No, mm-hmm. it's a shotgun. Why don't we get out the way? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think when we do get sick, we have mm-hmm. to make the decision. Do I want to live or do I want to die? I want to die. Mm-hmm. Do I want to make that change? Mm-hmm. Am I committed mm-hmm. to making that change? You know? Yeah. And if so, do it. You know, I can mm-hmm. testify my own self that um, I had to make a change as a result of recent health, health issues. And, you know, but the good thing about it for me is I was already on my road to making changes in my lifestyle habits. I was already walking the road to and committed to better health, you know? And then I had this, um, this health challenge. And it was like, well, okay, what you gonna do now? You know, well, you're gonna do what they said do, <laughs> you know? And, um, and um, so that you can get well, you know? Yeah, it's like, it's like Jesus said to the, to the person who was sitting, sitting out there by the pool of Bethesda for 30 some years, wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to get well, right? Mm-hmm. And so he said to him, stand up and walk. So, but the first thing the guy said, and you will hear this is, but this, and but I don't have nobody put me in the pool and, and the pool is too far away and blah, 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 all these things, you know, but I'll say like you uh, recently, I was, um, diagnosed with osteoarthritis you know it is a very very painful thing now Mm -hmm. i could take tylenol i'm sure they'll take care of the pill but that's not going to take care of the problem Mm -hmm. as i go through this journey i think about it how i used to be like oh i can't give up pizza and i can't give up you know um all the things that i like most of it i think is that vegetarian food which i love you know (laughs) so i can't i can't stop doing this or you know but honey, once I did my little research and found out that there's um, is this is caused by inflammation. Inflammation is caused by our diets. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I don't even have a desire for that stuff. All of a sudden, it's good. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need it. And as I see that, yeah, cutting out all that junk, you know, it does make a difference. And doing the exercises, it definitely makes a difference, and it definitely lowers the pain. 
then I'm thinking to myself, I didn't even have to go through all this. <clears throat> it ain't like I didn't know the health message or anything. Mm -hmm. I knew it. I did what I wanted to do. And now I'm suffering the consequences as a stewardship mm -hmm. leader and stuff. So yeah, I, go ahead. You know, sometimes I think because they couldn't figure out what brought on my diagnosis because, you know, they went through all these factors that no, 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 right? Mm -hmm. But then they asked me uh, about my family history. And I said, well, yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. And they mm -hmm. said, okay, so you have, a, you have a genetic predisposition to this, you know? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, but still yet, I had to make some changes in my diet, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and exercise, of course. Um, so, you know, it's not always that a person's lifestyle, per se, brought on you know, mm -hmm. but there may be definite things that we can change to um, help manage whatever it is. Whatever. But, then, but then that is your lifestyle. It is, if Sister White says that too, that we're born with propensities to certain type of illnesses and behaviors and stuff. So we're born with it, but it doesn't mean that we have to have that. And the reason we don't have to have it is that we change the Bible says the iniquity of the fathers going down to the third and fourth generation. I like to say the DNA influence on people going down to the third and fourth generation, but God showing mercy unto thousands of them who love him and keep his commandments. Those who change their lives and live, you know, for Christ and stuff, because in their end, maybe part of it is the way we manage problems, worrying, 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 causes us to get the same thing our parents got or to eat like they because they was wearing all the time and so it's it's a deep situation it really is and it's mm -hmm. just Satan. that he knows he knew what our parents was like we don't know everything about them but he did and he mm -hmm. you know uses all that stuff that he knows against us mm -hmm. and we'll fall in the same traps mm -hmm. you know, one of the things about a lifestyle change is that they're trying to change habits so that everything that humans know for the most part is learned behavior so we learned to like hamburgers. Yeah. We learned to like McDonald's fries at age two. Uh -huh. You know, we learned to like ice cream and pizza and sugar. Say all, say and all those things are learned so they can be Speak unlearned. But one thing that we have to remember, I know uh, counselors know this, say this a lot, until the, until the pain of staying where you are is greater than the pain of change, nothing's going to happen. You're yeah. not going to change until you realize, hey, what I'm going through now is worse than what I would be going through if I just went ahead and made these changes. Uh, so it's all learned behavior. We learned it, we can unlearn it, and we can learn new behaviors. Mm -hmm. on, on, right. a, on a less, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, on, a on a less serious <laughs> note, back in March or April, uh -huh. I went to go out to get my teeth whitening, right? Mm -hmm. $300 procedure, 300 bucks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They said, okay, when you get this done, lifestyle change. Stay mm -hmm. away from drinking red stuff mm -hmm. and acidic stuff. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so four months prior to that, back in late December, I um, mean, late 2021, I came across eating pomegranates. Man, they're wonders for me. Lower my blood yeah. pressure, did this, that, everything for me. Uh -huh. It's red though, right? Uh -huh. so I'm like, man, hold on. I just came across something that's helped me out and I got to stop eating it. Uh, yeah. the, the crystal lights, the fruit punch crystal lights. It ain't a soda or energy drink. I can drink as I'm drinking those too. So the whole commitment, I did it for two days. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll be back to, so wasted $300. Any work, no way, you know, real with you. But <laughs> so, so we're talking about a commitment level to, uh, you know, some a lot lower than, uh, you know, so, but it's like, man. And so this right here, I mean, you know, it, it's definitely serious when it comes to commitment. If you want to improve yourself, whatever it is, whether your finances, body, teeth, whatever, it's been like, do you really want to change? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's really, Thomas, it's a spiritual thing because you yeah. have to think about it and say, okay, in order to see the face of Jesus, we have to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. Yeah. Well, what does perfect entail? It, mm -hmm. mean, it means um, living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That means mm -hmm. that, you know, we can't, we can't um, have a Burger King relationship with God. Mm -hmm. We can't right. 
choose. Well, I'm going to obey this one, but I'm not going to obey that one. Like, I'm going to obey the Sabbath, but I'm not going to obey some of the other commandments. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Or, or, or I'm going to obey, I'm not going to steal, but I'm not going to obey the Sabbath commandment. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So we don't, we can't pick and choose because God is not a Burger King God. And because yeah. the commandments are a, uh, a, a, a representation of his character and we must have his character to make it into the kingdom, then we don't, we, do, we don't obey to be saved, but we obey because we are saved. Yeah. And Oh, but but it requires a strict obedience. And now we can't do that on our own because we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. There is nothing in us that makes us want to obey the commandments. There's absolutely nothing in us that makes us want to obey. There's nothing in us that wants that makes us want to uh, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. We're seeking worldly things. We're seeking gain in this world. We're seeking obtain possessions in this world. We're seeking... You know, whatever it is that the world has to offer, that's what we're seeking. Yeah, yeah. So there's buddy. nothing in us that makes us want to seek first the kingdom of heaven. And truly, that's the formula for the success in this world. He says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will be added unto you. We get it backwards and we, mm -hmm. we flip around and we seek everything else first and then expect the kingdom to be added to us. But yeah. that's not the way that it works. And I'm saying that, you know, Cause it applies to, to me too, you know, it applies to me too. And we have to realize that God is, a, a, when we're dealing with just things like this, health reform, it, it has a spiritual connotation because God is a God that he dots all I's and crosses all T's and he expects us to do the same thing. Uh, any other comment? Okay, let's move on down to the next paragraph. And in this one, she at the beginning of the paragraph, she's talking about how the health reform is closely connected with the work of the third angel's message, but it is not the message. Um, what is the third angel's message? Anybody? Or just one, or just the first angel? What is the work of the, what is the message of the third angel? Lee, you're good at looking stuff up. Look up, look up the message of the third angel for us, Lee. And tell us what uh, that is. The first angel was fear God and give glory to him. Mm -hmm. The second one was come out of Babylon. Mm -hmm. Stop believing his lies. And then the third one is to um, basically the seventh day uh, when the choice comes to choose God's seventh day seven. Mm, okay. Okay, and she so so I, I'm I'm not sure in this paragraph if she's talking about the three angels' messages or just the third angel. But anyway, um, she says that that the preachers should teach health reform, but they should not make this the leading thing in place of the message. And she said the message, it's it, it well, she's saying that the, the health reform though should be among those things that are preparatory work to meet uh, the events brought to view by the message. So um, when I was teaching the, the book Councils on Diet and Foods, one of the things that it they made very clear several times throughout the book was that um, we, um, the things that we eat and take into our bodies, well, we are what we eat, basically. And so if we're taking into our body things that make us sluggish and slow to react and we can't focus and all of that, then that applies to like when we're sitting at church hearing a sermon, we're not going to get the full message brought home to us if we've been eating stuff that makes us slow and sluggish and, and all of that. So basically you know, don't put those things in your body. And even if you're going to do it throughout the week, don't do it over the Sabbath hours because you need to fully understand and appreciate the message that is being brought. Now, of course, I, I said, you know, don't do it over the Sabbath hours. Really, we shouldn't do it at all because the Holy Spirit is speaking to us throughout the week. The Holy Spirit, the, the, the word of God, if we're reading it, is, is going to speak to us, you know, when we're reading it or whatever, or studying it. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily have to be on the Sabbath, but um, that 
what we eat greatly influences our focus and our understanding and uh, uh, our, our, our wisdom, so to speak, and how we can connect the dots. You know, you're supposed to study here a little, there a little, and, um, and be able to connect the dots. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's important too for us to remember what the Bible says. He says, it says a tongue is an unruly member who can tame it but God. And I used to think that was just talking about what we say, which is true. It is talking about that. But now I've expanded to what we eat. We can't control this thing. You know, it's unruly. And the Bible already said it. We can't contain it. Only God. So it's a real walk. It's a real struggle to control your appetite, to get that thing under control and stuff. So it's just, it takes prayer too. That's what I wanted to say too. Don't think you're going to just go out there and step out there in that territory and, you know, I'm getting ready to stop eating this. You'll do it for about a week and then it comes back like a vengeance. That's how, you know, the, our enemy is. So we have to be very prayerful, prayerful. And it's so much to food as I study about arthritis. You know, it's a lot to food. You know, all this, this thing, people are like, oh, this is evolution. No, nothing this complicated could have just decided to form itself. It just don't kidding. It's not possible, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, further down in that same paragraph, and we're in paragraph 559.2. Um, she's talking about how the Health Institute should grow, but she says not at the expense of other branches of the, the uh, work of God. And so she's basically saying, don't cripple the other branches like the missionary work and the other branches of the publishing work, all that. Don't cripple those branches by diverting funds from those to the health message. And so, you know, and then she, and then she criticized where um, people of great means are putting something in, but then people of little to no means, homeless even, are putting too much in. And they shouldn't do that because they don't even and, and and they don't have it to put in. But also because um, they can't even attend the they can't even be treated in the institution that they're putting money into their their little bit of money into. So she 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 cautioned those two things. Don't don't rob the other branches of the work, but then also you know tell the poor, you know the homeless, those people. No, you can't afford to give this much towards this. And you can't even come to the facility if you needed it. Yeah, so sometimes we just judge. <clears throat> sometimes we want to judge people's faith on how much they can give in terms of finances, but that's not a fair assessment. You know, and the people probably do want to be involved somehow, but maybe they couldn't be involved financially. Maybe they could do something else. But... Uh, sometimes people say, oh, you don't have enough faith. You're not putting in or you can do better. And it reminded me of this uh, pastor that got in trouble this past week for fussing at his congregation for not buying him a fancy watch. You know, and the people, they trying to make it too. And he up front fussing because they didn't buy him a fancy watch for Pastor Appreciation Week. And, mm -hmm. you know, people were, he was saying, oh, y'all lacking faith. Where's y'all's faith at? You know, and, and that's sometimes the way people look at it. If you're not given a bunch of money, then you don't have faith. But that's not God's uh, test of faith at all. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't have nothing to do with how much money you have or give. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. Let's go on down to the next paragraph, 560.1. And... Um, She's talking about the health reform as a special work of God for, and to benefit us, to benefit his people. But she says that an institution established among us, in an institution established among us, the greatest danger would be of its managers departing from the spirit of the present truth and from that simplicity which should ever characterize the disciples of Christ. And she said, a warning was given to her, I guess by God, against lowering the standard of truth in any way in such an institution in order to help the feelings of unbelievers and thus secure their patronage. 
And she said, the great object of receiving unbelievers into the institution is to lead them to embrace the truth. So basically, once we establish this institution or institutions, health and health institutions, then don't compromise with the world in order to gain, you know, patience or whatever. Um, because the whole point in having our own institutions is so that um, the tr- they would be led to embrace the truth. So, so don't set the truth aside just for gain. And that goes back to don't, don't build these institutions on such a grand scale that you have to um, cater to unbelievers and cater to them in a way that, that sets aside any portion of the truth in order to get them to come in. Yeah, and I think that's very easy for people to do. You know, like you said, once those bills start coming in, you're like, hey, we got to take anybody we can get. We need to do something to get more people. So somebody might suggest, hey, let's have bingo night. Let's have gambling night, you know, at the sanitarium to get more people. <laughs> and, you know, and they start doing things that's not not the right thing to do just to get somebody to come in. But mm-hmm. we, again, have to be very careful, not just the sanitarians, but even in our churches, you know, don't get in such a hurry to fill the church with a lot of people that you're willing to lower the standards of God, you know, lower them so much that anybody can walk in. We mm. still have to, we still have to a duty to keep God's standards high and allow his Holy Spirit to convict people to come and to follow his way. Not make it so easy that just anybody can come in because not just anybody's going to make it to heaven either. Right, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to drop down to the next paragraph, 5.2. And one of the things that she said in the middle of that paragraph is one of the reasons why God does not hear the prayers of his servants for the sick is because the servants are violating the laws of health. And so God would not be glorified um, to to honor those prayers. And so that, that is putting the impetus on those who are working in those institutions to abide by health reforms you know it's funny because um sometimes when when i go in a hospital or whatever and i see these huge huge their workers their nurses or whatever uh texts or whatever and they are humongous and i said okay they are not abiding by the health laws it's very obvious you know um when i was in the hospital this woman came in to give me uh, education on what I was in there for, my diagnosis. And she was huge. But she said, well, I have the same diagnosis. And I'm like, okay, how could you have the same diagnosis and be huge like this? You know, because they put you on, they, they put you on a, a, a certain carb per meal diet. So how is it that you're still, she had had, she'd been on it for a while, so to speak. And I'm like, okay, how is that possible? So that just told me that she was not abiding by, you know, the guidelines. She was just taking more medicine in order to control it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, this was a long time ago, but uh, me and Lakita, we was traveling somewhere around the country and we stopped by uh, one of our Adventist health places, a uh, hospital or something. And so we was like, oh, man, this hospital is Adventist. So we was all happy and proud. And so we walked in and kind of looked around and see what was going on and happened to go past the cafeteria. And the on the menu, they had pork on the menu. <laughs> and so we were like, what are y'all doing serving pork? And the person we were talking to said, well, it's not only Adventists that come to this hospital. And I, And, you know, we were both thinking, that shouldn't make a difference. You don't serve stuff that God said is not good right. to begin with. It's one right. thing to serve hamburger or something, but y'all are going totally against the word of God just right. to get more people in. And what's crazy is that the word of God says, don't even touch the dead carcass of that. So so those people that are preparing that for the inpatients, they are right there disregarding the word of God. You know. And like it says on that paragraph you had toward the bottom, we were really disappointed mm. and felt kind of grieved that they would, you know, it's not that important. If God's going to bless you for keep, uh, keeping his will and his way 
you don't have to stoop to just doing anything. Right. You don't have to compromise with the world in order right. to to obtain in order for the power of God to attend your ministry. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Uh Andre, are you there? Can you tell the story about the uh food pantry over in Berkeley? The pantry over in Berkeley? Yeah. What about it? Remember when uh the pork was being handed out? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we were accepting, I really didn't like it, but we were accepting clean and unclean foods we had a freezer for clean foods and a freezer for unclean foods and it kind of shocked me because i thought that why would we keep unclean foods and hand that out when we clearly know that the bible says that we should not even touch it not only should we not eat it but we shouldn't touch it so you know i come to the church sometimes one time and i actually saw them handing a ham or something like that over the fence to one of the neighbors. And I thought, wow, what kind of witness is that? That we're actually giving out hams to the neighbors. You, no? sure, you sure it wasn't wham. <laughs> <laughs> Not that big. It was a big piece. So that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I'm kind of a hypocrite in a way, because how are you witnessing to these people? And one of the things that we're going to witness about is about the Sabbath and about other things that we know also about the health message. Wouldn't it be kind of confusing for them to learn that we don't eat unclean foods, but we hand it out to them? Yeah, we had, we had ran across that at a, a church pantry before, too, that they was handing out, again, pork products, bacon and stuff. And I was like, what are y'all doing? giving this stuff out and they like people gotta eat i said people are this ain't right people can eat other food they don't have to eat this and they like well we're just trying to serve the people and you know we had a big discussion about about it even being in the church at all and it's, and like you said andre how are we gonna say it's not right to eat but we handing it out to other people that's so i don't know they was mad about me even bringing it up but uh last I think it I think they kind of cut back or stopped, but I'm not sure. But you know, it's just not right. That's not a good witness at all. Absolutely. And I think the explanation that was given was that uh, the when the food was given out by the the stores, you had to take everything or you couldn't participate in the program. Well, it's one thing to take it, it's another thing to keep it and hand it out. Right. You can easily throw it in the trash. Mm-hmm. Which Absolutely. was where I was throwing the stuff till they stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. Uh, and then uh, I'm gonna go on down. We're gonna try to get through the rest of these paragraphs. Um, so she talks about in uh, let me see, paragraph one fifty six point one. She talks about how um, the poor and the 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 sick should not. Well, they should not be given the idea that the, the health institute mm -hmm. the place for them to come be raised up by the prayer of faith. And she said this that that is the place to find relief from disease by treatment and right habits of living and to learn how to avoid sickness. So she's basically saying, Don't tell nobody that when you go in there, you you're gonna be healed. You're definitely gonna be healed, you know, because the prayer of faith will 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 result in your healing. She said, because what needs is people need to be taught how to live a healthful lifestyle so that when they get out of there, they won't go right back to the same life's unhealthy lifestyle that got them there in the first place. Um, and then she said, you know, down further, she said, those who treat the sick should move forward in their important work with strong reliance upon God for his blessing to attend the means which he has graciously provided and to which he has in mercy called our attention as a people, such as, and then this reminds me of the New Start program, pure air, cleanliness, healthful diet, proper periods of labor and rest, and the use of water. Um, so those are all things that we should incorporate, all of us should incorporate in our daily lifestyle um, so that um, we can maintain healthier body. And why is it important to maintain healthier bodies? Say that again, Karen, I'm sorry. Why is it important to maintain healthier bodies? 
because really it's just not fun. You can't do as much for God. You can't do as much for your fellow man. You just don't feel good. You don't think right. You can, you know, your thoughts are all off. Your, uh, um, your attitude can be pretty bad, you know, and you just cannot accomplish as much as you want to because now, you know, you're under this edict, you know, of stuff you can and can't do and all that stuff. It's, and then it gets really confusing because, you know, sometimes the medicine <laughs> that they provide cause more problems than, you know, but it does, it does bring about relief or whatever. So it's a, you just, it's, it's a mess. It just, it's a real mess. And another reason, of course, is because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's our reasonable service to keep our bodies as healthy as possible. Yeah, I agree with both of those. I also believe, and uh, I'm sure I want to add as well, that it's a better quality of life while, while we're living. Although we don't know when we're going to die. Uh -huh. But I'm only nine years old, and I, and I got a, a missing leg, or my arm is always hurting because I'm a diabetic or something like that. You know what I mean? I just think mm -hmm. uh, either having a better, healthy life, I want to have a better quality of life while I'm living. Just, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me too. I, I, you know, not, I want to be like happy when I'm an old person. I don't want to be like all grumpy and mad at everything and stuff. You know, I didn't do some things in life that I wanted, so I'm mad. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, that's true. That's deep. <laughs> you know, uh, when I, I'm. A, this is a testimony. Before I went to. Um, I found out like in the springtime that I had this osteoarthritis and I've been fumbling around trying to figure it out. I finally figured, you know, this is information and I need to get rid of this. I, you know, we can, they can give me a shot. They can do a surgery, but ultimately that information is going to act out in a different way. So I need to get that under control. So, but I was saying to myself, Lord, I want to jump rope because um, my daughter, granddaughter is now six and I was going for her birthday and I want her to learn how to jump rope. But the only way I could think of it is I'm going to have to jump rope to show her how to jump rope, you know, the cadence and the rhythm and stuff. And so, you know, I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I tell you guys, I'm going to tell y'all, the Lord is so good. I went down there. I had zero pain the whole time I was... And I actually jumped rope for my granddaughter. I was jumping rope, turning rope. The whole family got involved in jump rope. Lee jumped rope. Did you jump rope, Lee? I don't think Lee jumped rope. Did you jump rope? Well, so, so what was a double dutch or just regular jumping rope? <laughs> Honey, I couldn't handle a double dutch. Maybe the next time. I did, I did regular rope, a rope, but my daughter, she jumped rope. It's important for, for some reason. It's yeah. very important to me that my granddaughter learn to play the games that I play because we had a whole community of friends and she doesn't have that so I just thought it would be fun to teach her and I, and my grandson was jumping rope but the thing is is that the Lord allowed me to do that and I thought you know I'm gonna be in pain I never was in pain or nothing so I'm just that's just a testimony God is so good but I'm I'm on it trying to you know do the diet thing as much as possible mm -hmm. um coming mm -hmm. to the truth because I have y'all ever wanted to live out the whole truth of God Yes. You know, I mean, we do the time. But it takes the power of God to do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, use your time the way, you know, that would be profitable spiritually. You know, you develop your talents to the most they can be. Um, develop your body, but, the muscles and stuff. Yeah, you know, though, I wonder if that's possible this side of eternity because there's a lot of things that when we're on our way to heaven, Christ is going to make up the inefficiencies. Yeah, that's called covering us with his robe of righteousness, mm -hmm. just like he did with all the patriarchs. None of them was perfect, but they were covered by Christ's righteousness. Mm -hmm. I, before we end, I was going to say, uh, like Lakita's talking about, we have to learn to avoid illness. And then on, I guess it's paragraph 561.1. Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting because it says, let no one obtain the idea the Institute is a place for them to come to be raised up by mm -hmm. the prayer of faith, which mm -hmm. is what a lot of people do. They figure, oh, I'll just eat and drink and be merry and then, you know, have the pastor come pray over my, over my illness or go to the sanitarium and they can do miracles or whatever. But mm -hmm. as she's pointing out, that's the place to find relief from disease by treatment 
and right habits of living mm -hmm. and to learn how to avoid sickness. And that's where we are in our lives. This is a time where we can find relief from disease by treatment and right habits of living and learn mm -hmm. to avoid sickness. Like Thomas saying, you don't want to be at a certain age and you missing limbs and organs because of the way you live. We right. want to enjoy life while we can. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, and then I'm going to try to finish this out here. Um, we're going down to parent. Well, we're still in 562.1. And she talks about how very careful, like when we're over, people that are over these institutions and are working at the ins these institutions, that they don't they they don't give the credit to themselves for the work. Um, and she said that would cause the frown of God, and they should not depend on their skill alone. And she said uh, that we really want the blessing of God to attend the work of restoration of those people that are in there because of sickness. And that uh, glory should be given to God, not to man, for the work that is done in these institutions. And she says that, if we go on down near the end of that, she said that if, if God says, my power and the might of my hand have done this, mm -hmm. or well, if man says that, then God would leave them to work under their, this great disadvantage of their inferiority. Uh, and then other institutions who don't even, even profess to know God would uh, then accomplish more than our institutions would because we're crediting ourselves for for the work of the healing and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, she's saying also in the next paragraph, when there are inpatients in these facilities, there should be gardens and there should be work that they can do outside in the sunshine and the, uh, uh, you know, in, in the fresh air and all of that, that is suitable to their, their uh, gender and their ability taking into account this, the particular sickness or illness that they have. And um, she's saying that the outside of the institution, the ground should be beautiful so that they can go out and walk or whatever. If they're in a wheelchair, they can be, you know, rolled around. And, and, and basically the benefits of nature would help them you know, whatever they can do physically as far as labor is concerned and caring for some of this, then under, under the instruction of a master gardener, then uh, that would be something that, that would help them. Um, and then let's see, oh, then she, she went into this account of, of um, how she was urged to write something uh, in uh, testimony number 11 that she had not intended to write at that point in time and she was going to write it in testimony number 12 she said but the brethren urged her to basically write about this institution that their battle creek that they were trying to open up and basically praise it and all of that and make people aware of it so that um, people would come to it because again remember they, the brethren had this huge scheme for it and so they were planning this huge facility and so they wanted her to write about it at the time and she was saying that she did not intend to write about it until testimonies for the church number 12 and then she could speak more freely and fully concerning you know what the institute should be and all of that um, but she gave in to the brethren and she wrote about it in in testimonies for the church volume 11 and she said, well, that's not something that she should have done. In hindsight, she looked at it and, and she thought that was not something that she could have done, that she should have done. Um, okay, I think unless anybody had any comments, we've reached pretty much the end of this chapter. Any comments, any, any final words, any thoughts? Yeah, we didn't speak on um, what your mental attitude, We um, not a lot on that, but that's really huge that's really huge anxiety um re, what is it um resentment anger um frustration all of those things have a lot to do with our health you know and then that finally they're connecting as sister white says in my character and personality that i think she's like nine out of ten uh nine out of ten illnesses that occur in the body occurred in the mind first nine out of ten illnesses and that's really important to kind of 
keep that in mind that we have a lot more control over this health thing than we realize, you know. And that's, uh, that's something else I wanted to say too, is that even though we may try to, you know, uh, under, we may try to change what we eat, we have to change the way we think about what we eat too, you know. Um, I find it easier to say now to something that tastes really good, nah, that's an enemy of mine. We have to recognize our enemies. They come out pretty, they come sweet and delicious and moist, you know, and stuff, but they're killing us. And they don't care that they're killing us. They're not our friends. And so we have to change the way we're even thinking about stuff, you know, and, and that praising God all day is the best medicine. The Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Any other final comments? Okay, if not, Lee, where are we next week? Next week, we're still in Christian Service book by Ellen White, and we're on the chapter one subparagraph is Timothy, a mere youth when chosen. Mm. Timothy, a mere youth when chosen. Okay. Kind of hitting about uh, youth service right now. Mm. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. Uh, Thomas, would you mind closing us out in prayer? Absolutely. Thank you. Or every follow I just want to say thank you, Lord, for bringing us together one more again to glorify you, to fellowship with one another. As you Lord, that this not, this uh, let's not go in vain, Lord. We actually put this to our heart, mind, and temples, Lord, to be better. Uh, vehicles, um, temperance for you. Well, as Lord, that we share this with other people as well. In your son's name, I pray. Amen. 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 Thomas, Thomas, one more again. <laughs> <laughs> I caught that too, Lee. <laughs> That's what we used to say back in the day. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, so we off the air now.